Luke chapter 9, I'd like you to open the scriptures of that place where we read just earlier on, entitled the message, Rejection of Christ. Rejection of Christ. Let's unite our heart together in short word of prayer as we come to the preaching of God's word tonight. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the good singing. Thank the Lord for our congregation this evening. Lord, we would pray even over those words that we have been singing from our heart, while in others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Praying, Lord, that that might be the individual prayer of each and every soul tonight. Oh, that we might hear thy still, small, speaking voice to our heart. Bring us into this passage. Lord, we pray that thou would give us understanding. Enlighten our eyes by the power of thy Spirit. Come and do thine own work tonight, we pray. For, Lord, we know it's not by might nor by power, but it's with my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. O oh God, to that end I take the promised Holy Ghost, the blessed power of Pentecost I take. Thank God he undertakes for me. Give us those words tonight that shall prevail. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen. It has often been observed that if you read the accounts of the revivals in church history, that there were always those places where it had little to no effect. There were those who despised what God was doing. And consequently, they were never to know anything of the blessing. We might say tonight, there are places in our little province to this very evening where there is a particular hardness toward the gospel. And it stems back for many years. Those places were missed in the time of the 1859 revival. The Savior, in the course of his earthly ministry, you will understand, was to cover much ground right throughout the land of Israel. That is portrayed especially in the a gospel account of Mark. Now, Mark, of course, is the smallest of the four gospels. It's the shortest. And yet, in many ways, it's the fullest. For throughout its pages is found the activity of the Savior. It's a very busy gospel. And the constancy of his travels and of his work is seen in the oft-repeated phrases that Mark uses. And you'll see these oftentimes. He used the word immediately or uh, the word anon, or straightway. And there are many instances that Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he packs into his book. But the strange thing is that the incident that I want to show you tonight, or bring you to consider tonight, it's not found in Mark's gospel. In fact, it's not found in any of the gospels apart from the gospel of Luke. It is another occasion where the Lord was to pass through Samaria. Just as we were considering last Sabbath evening as he met the woman uh, by the well, and as he did so, he passed through town and after town, village after village. If you turn back just a couple of chapters uh, to Luke chapter 8, verse 1, you will uh, see there and be reminded of that. It says, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. 
So it affirms to us that he moved throughout village after village, but it also shows us the purpose in which he did so. And it was that he might preach the glad tidings of the gospel. And men and women, tonight we are thankful to God that in our town there still is a door for the preaching of the whole counsel of the gospel. But that being so, I trust that you as an individual are not like the place that we want to look at tonight. That your response to the gospel is not like it was with these people in this unnamed village of Samaria. Because here, there was the rejection of the Savior. And my text, if you want to text, is verse 53. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. I want you to notice the preparations. You might consider, of course, that the time of the Lord's earthly ministry was very short, just about three and a half years. And that being so, time was of an essence. And it is often seen throughout the Gospels that to get uh, to one place or another, uh, to destinations that he was going to, he would often go the shortest route. That meant, of course, treading on territory uh, to which the strictest Jew would not do. Uh, That meant him going through the land of Samaria. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans and vice versa. And in this passage, that is where the Savior was to be found. He's passing through the villages of Samaria. But understand that there was one particular place to which he often was heading. And this was the destination this time around. And that was to the city of Jerusalem. You have it in the words of verse 51. And it came to pass when the time has come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Again, you have it in my text. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And the question might be asked as to why the Lord should often go there. The question would be asked that why at this time was he seemingly determined to go to Jerusalem? And the answer, of course, is found in that at Jerusalem that the Redeemer of a lost mankind would lay down his life upon the cross of Calvary. It would be that outside those city walls upon that hill that was called Golgotha, where the Christ of God would offer that once for all sacrifice for sin on behalf of sinners. We could say in the words of the Apostle Paul that this was the mind of Christ. And Calvary was ever in the Savior's mind. Calvary was not an afterthought. It was ever in the mind of the Savior. And hence we might say that there were the preparations of the Savior to go to Jerusalem and to go to the cross of Calvary. For we know that for the joy that was set before him, he would endure the cross. He would despise the shame. You might say, what joy? The joy of redeeming a people unto himself. And of that time when the Savior would willingly lay down his life, it would be, of course, in God's perfect timing. And yet when we consider these words, we notice that this time was not too far distant. Again, I draw you to verse 51. came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. There were other times it wasn't that time. But now had come that time where he had to go to Jerusalem. The hour was come, as John puts it in John 13. 
That time was approaching when the Savior would go the way of the cross. And taking the shortest route to Jerusalem, he was to pass through these villages. You see, dear people, there was a readiness to redeem men and women from their sin. There's a readiness to accomplish the work that the Father had given him to do. His face was set toward Jerusalem. His purpose in coming to this earth was that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews 2 and verse 14 reminds us that it would be through death that he would destroy uh, the devil who had the power of death. There's no hesitation whatsoever on the Savior's part. And dear sinner, tonight in the gospel, I proclaim one who is prepared to redeem your soul, that soul that is lost, that soul of yours that is undeserving and unworthy of the least of the Lord's blessing, that soul of yours that is never dying. I seek to uplift before you the only Savior who was willing and ready to pay the price of your redemption. And redemption, of course, is an Old Testament word. It means that you're brought out of the prison house, never to go back in again, and brought on to Christ, the price having been paid. But consider also that even though the Savior had this great task before him, and he was now on his way toward Jerusalem, and all of that, what that entailed, yet there were the preparations for the Savior to abide and to dwell in this village in Samaria. He desired to pass through this village. He desired that he might spend the evening there, that he might dwell with the people there, uh, that he would be a place where he might be refreshed and rested for the journey that still lay before him. What a privilege. What a blessing this would be for the Lord of glory to stop in this unnamed village in Samaria. You know, there's much talk of a town or a city when some dignitary comes to visit our province because of its size, the smallness of it. It usually makes the news when some king or president pays a visit. But here is the Christ of God. Here is the eternal Son of God, the one who created all things and the Savior who had come to carry out the work of redemption and he was prepared to come into this village to pass through its gates and to abide with its people. And you see that this preparation was such that he sent along messengers before him. Look at the words of verse 52. He sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. There were those who went before him to tell the village that the Savior was drawing near. We can maybe assume, although it doesn't say, but we can assume by what we read in the words of verse 54 that it was James and John. In fact, the word messengers there is the same word as angels like the angel or the messengers of the seven churches of Asia. And here the Lord sends his messengers before him that they might prepare, that they might tell the village he was drawing near. They were told of Christ. They were to hear of the one who had wrought the miracles, who had been to other places, whose power had been witnessed during his earthly ministry. And my dear friend, that has always been the way of the Lord. He sends forth messengers to speak of him. He employs mere servants to go before his face 
That was the case uh, with the prophets and with the apostles. In the Old Testament times, the prophets were those who heralded forth the Savior's coming from Abel and Enoch, who prophesied of Christ. To the summary that we have in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, where it simply says to him, Give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. To him, give all the prophets, not just Enoch, not just Abel, but all the prophets indeed. And what was true, of course, of the Old Testament was also the case In the New Testament, John the Baptist is called the forerunner of Christ, sent before him. And the apostles themselves were sent forth as messengers of Christ. You know, the same is true to this night. It's the messengers of Christ sent forth of him who are commissioned to speak of him. And the importance and the solemnity of that task is captured In Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, for the apostle says, And how shall they preach? Or if I can back up to verse 14 as well. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Sent before him. To declare his message. And dear friend, you have heard and you're hearing the preacher. The one who seeks to speak of Christ. And you must be aware that this is God's way in causing souls to be saved. Because it pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that will believe. For unsaved loved one, what was true of the Lord with regard to this village is true also in the spiritual sense of the Lord with regard to your eternal well-being. There's one whom you've heard about. You've heard about his power. You've heard about his willingness and ability to save that soul of yours which is lost and destitute. You've heard of the one whose power can transform and change a life into being a new creature of a truth that is the Lord who's drawing near this evening who can change your heart and life to that which will never be the same again. What a blessing could be yours. Just as it was for this Samaritan village. I want you to notice the message Not only the preparation, but the message. Because the Lord sent his messengers before his face. But if we could merely take a moment to consider what the scriptures record here, then we will be brought to understand something of what that message was to be. A messenger has a message. And these were no exception. For you'll see that they're described as those, verse 52, who went before his face. And yet we also see the manner in which his face is also spoken of in the previous verse. It was a face that was set to go to Jerusalem. 
It was the one whose face would be marred more than any man's at Jerusalem. For they would pluck the hairs out of his cheeks. It was the one whose face these messengers went before to this village in order to speak of his coming. And you know it is that which is prophesied of by Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50 and the words of verse 7 says this, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You will know, of course, that flint is a very hard stone. It's inflexible. And that shows us, that illustrates to us that the face of Christ at this instance, because he knew his hour was coming, his face was unflinchingly going toward Jerusalem. Their message was he was going there. And I put it to you that the message was of Christ and of his sufferings, his agonies and his death that would take place at Calvary. You notice how verse 51 bears record to this. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. The time was fast approaching when we could say, well, nay at hand, when he should be received up. And while earlier in the chapter we have the Lord transformed on the mount along with Moses and Elias and we knew his, what his conversation was because you read of it in verse 31 who appeared in glory and spake of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. He was talking to Moses and Elijah about his death. That's what the word decease means. He was talking about Calvary that was just before him. And here the Lord looks beyond the sufferings and he looks beyond his death and he sees his ascension back to his father, the time when he should be received up. That's the very manner in which it is spoken of in Acts chapter 1 when a cloud received him out of their sight, the sight of the apostles. That time was now imminent. But understand, dear loved one, that you can't have an ascension unless, first of all, you have a death and a resurrection. And so when you have, what you have in that little phrase is a bringing together of all the constituent parts of the message. What was the message that these messengers speak about? What is the message that the messengers of the cross are to preach tonight? What is the message that sinners need to hear? Wherein is their only hope to be found? It is of Christ and his suffering. It is of how he bore the wrath of God against our sin in his own body on that tree. It is of the shedding of his atoning blood, of his death and burial in that tomb, of the bodily glorious resurrection, conquering death and the grave, of his glorious ascension back to the throne of God and high. That's the message. And I tell you, it is a message that speaks of Christ having finished and having completed the work of redemption, the work of our salvation. He cried it on the cross. It is finished. It's a message that speaks of the sufficiency of the work of the Savior. All that he needed to do to obtain salvation for lost, man and lost mankind has been done. All that was required 
to satisfy God's law was accomplished. All that was needed for the sinner to be reconciled to God was done by Christ. And dear friend, that's the message that not only is recorded in this passage and not only recorded through the rest of the scriptures and which these messengers and other messages proclaimed. It's a message we tell you tonight. You see, from Genesis, the first message that God preached was of the seed of the woman who would come bruise the head of Satan. The first message of God of the covering of Adam's nakedness by the skins of the animal, of the shedding of its blood in their place as as their substitute. To what we read in Revelation of the description of the Lord there, of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the record of the Scriptures is of Christ. And that's what your heart needs to hear. That's what this town and district needs to be told of. Instead of what we're finding tonight is an attempt to remove the gospel preacher from the street. Because you will know, of course, the bylaw that are being sought to be brought in in Belfast to hinder the gospel preacher and to hinder anyone that would stand up against abortion and all of these other things that have come in. There is an attempt to close the mouth of the gospel preacher. May God have mercy on our land. Christ is able to save the sinner from the sin-sick soul through the message, the message that these messengers brought, the message of the gospel. But I don't want you to miss it. There's another little detail which is given about those who went before his face in verse 52. And it says, And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. There's a message to deliver. There's a message to hear. But you know, there was also to be a making ready for the coming of the Lord. This village and its people weren't ready. The Savior is approaching. He's passing this way and they weren't ready. You remember how it is put in the parable of the ten virgins. And of course, five of them in Matthew 25, we read that they hadn't got the oil in their lamps. And when those five foolish went in search of the oil, we read that the bridegroom came. And in verse 10, we have these words, and they that were ready went with him to the marriage. My dear friend, the message and the task of the messenger is still the same. We're telling you of the Savior, of his stupendous work on Mount Calvary, of the atoning death that he died, of his burial, and the third day he rose again and ascended back to the Father 40 days hence. But we're also telling you of the Savior's coming, of that day when no man knoweth but the Father. But the fact remains that many of you are not ready to meet him. Your heart is devoid of Christ's presence 
and of His power over sin. You have never repented. You have never confessed unto God your need of the Savior. You're still unsaved and unready and without hope. And die without saving faith in Christ and your eternity will be without hope. That is the message of the Scriptures. That is the warning that the Scriptures offer to the sinner. Sin must and will be punished. And so, dear loved one, we tell you in love, you need to be ready. You need to have that hard experience of the new birth. Because, see, that's the message. The Savior said you must be born again. I want you to notice, finally, the response. For here was a village which was to be privileged to have the Savior's presence and company in it, to have the Lord of glory stay within its confines. A village which had heard the messengers been warned that the Lord was coming their way, and yet nearly unbelievably, we read their response in our text, and they did not receive him. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. What do we learn from those words? They refused the Savior who could save. They refused God's servant who was on the way to the cross of Calvary to lay down his life for sinners. Here was a village that although the Lord had intended to stay in and to visit was a place that never knew the Lord going into it. The Lord had time for this village. He had time to stop by even though he was going to fulfill the purpose that the Father had given him to do. But the Lord had time for these sinners. But sadly the Lord never entered into this place. They did not receive him. And if that speaks of anything, then surely it reminds us of the depravity of the human heart. The one who could save them from their sins, yet they rejected him. And dear loved one, tonight you're just the same as this village. You've heard of the glorious person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I put it to you, you have witnessed his power. You have witnessed his power in the lives of others, of loved ones around about you, and yet you've rejected him. You may have said in your heart, oh, you'll not say it outwardly, but you may have said in your heart, I will not have this man to rule over me. I want to go my own way. And that shows the depravity of the heart. These words also teach us of the responsibility of the sinner they did not receive him. You have a responsibility in hearing the gospel and a responsibility to respond to the claims of Christ. The Lord is everything that you need, dear sinner. He's everything. And yet cannot be that you would sit under the ministry of God's word for another time, that you will not receive him. That you will reject him again. 
Instead of rejecting Christ, I wonder, will you not come and receive him tonight? John 1 and 12. But as many as received him, to them give a power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As the Lord comes this way, as he is brought right up to you in the gospel, as it were, let me ask you, what will be your response tonight? I'm not talking about last Sunday night or a month ago. I'm talking about now. What will be your response? I trusted on the great day of accountability. And when you stand before God, that the words of Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 24 will not be true of you. For there it says, Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. How many times has the Lord given you his counsel? Yet you have refused it. Here was a village who would not receive the Lord. I want you to note the reality where this village was concerned. The reality was the Savior passed them by. That's solemn. They would not receive him. And the Lord never entered into their midst. He passed this people, he passed this village by. And you will note how it is brought out in the words of verse 56. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That's the answer to James and John. Oh, they were ready to pronounce fire upon uh, that village in judgment. Because they knew their scriptures, they knew what Elias had done. But the Lord had rebuked them and he had to remind them. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But notice the next, and how the verse ends. And they went to another village. What happened to this Samaritan village? It was left to themselves. It was left in their sin. Because the Savior passed by. And he went in because he was received in another village. My dear soul, as we've been singing, Jesus is passing this way. Make sure you avail of this opportunity in the gospel. Don't have the Savior pass you by again. For reject Christ. And you shall know the judgment of God upon you for all eternity. And that eternity will be the flames of hell. It will be that fiery judgment. Our sin must be punished. It's punished either in the great sin bearer. The one who set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. Or it's punished upon the sinner. What's going to be your response tonight? Make sure it's the right one. And don't reject the Savior. May the Lord bless his word. Reach in every heart tonight. And even to the salvation 
of your soul. 227 will sing in closing. Is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming Jesus is passing this way. 227, let's stand as we sing it, please. servant for your sake. We'll gladly open the scriptures to you. Man or woman tonight, don't reject Christ anymore as the Lord is passing this way. Father in heaven, we bless thee for thy word. We thank thee for the message of the gospel. We bless thee, Lord, for the warnings even. The Lord, how the, this village would not receive him. And he passed by and went into another village. We pray that, Lord, that that would not be the case with any heart in this service. And God, that I might speak on. I might, Lord, give that gift of faith. And tonight, Lord, the sinner would acknowledge their need of Christ. They would bow the knee and accept Christ as their Savior. 
O God, speak on when the preacher's voice is silent, Lord. We are just but a messenger. But Lord, we pray that thou would reveal thyself and thy power, that I might change a life that will never be the same again. O God, may the best yet to be. Bless us, Lord, as we part for a little season. Watch over us, give us journey of mercies homeward. For we ask these things in our Saviour's precious and all-worthy name. Amen.